The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's topic is so important to everyone. I don't care if you're in the finance industry. I don't care where in the tech industry you are, where in the world you are. Let me get started and I'll tell you exactly why this is so important. Today's buzz, are you really you? Just going to let that sit there for a minute and sink in. As the Who famously sang, Who are you? Well, we're talking about authentication. Yes. How do you prove that you are who you say you are to the people who need to know that you are you? Boy, that's convoluted. Let me start with, with our introduction here. Authentication techniques designed to confirm who you are, who you say you are, you are, typically entail one or more of these three techniques. And I'll use this in the first person. Something I have have can define me, something I know can define me, and something I am can define me. So accessing the things and the information that we value can range from easy. Hey, how do you open your car? Maybe you got a little keypad with a PIN number, but most of us still use a key or a fob and you click it and the car opens because you're holding the key to that car. How do you get into your house? Well, maybe it's digital, but most of us still have a door key. But when we go to things that are a little more complicated, where privacy is perhaps even more important, we have passwords and they get complicated. And the hope, the prayer is that they will protect the privacy of things like our medical records. Our health history can be very important to just us and maybe our select family members. And let's escalate it all the way up the scale to national secrets. You want to protect those, you hope somebody's protecting those. But hey, there's a flip side to this. Authentication sounds great. We all want it. We want to believe in it. We want to know it's secure, but we're in a hurry. Everybody's got to be somewhere or we think we have to be somewhere right this second. So we're impatiently yelling. We want faster access. We want easier security processes. And guess who is working 24-7 around the world, trying to get into our passwords and all of our so-called protected files. They are digitally savvy thieves, and they're working around the clock to steal our identities, our secrets, and maybe most important to those of you in the listening audience, they want your money. So the key challenge in authentication, and I use the word key as a double entendre, if you allow me that, is we want it fast, but we want it secure. Who's going to win this battle? We have invited back a panel of experts. You've already heard them twice. 
on topics related to data security in the age of credit card breaches. And today our topic on part three is authentication. So I'll just tell you quickly, we're going to be speaking today with Gerlinda Zabolski, the head of security product management at SAP, Hillel Zafir, the co-founder and president of HMS Technology Group, <clears throat> excuse me, and Richard McCammon, the VP of Integrated Solutions at Delego Software. I don't usually pre-introduce the panel, but I want you to know they are back and they have a lot to say. So let's get started. Gerlinda Zabolski sent me the wonderful quote, four words. My password is capital S-E-C-U-R-E. Wow, Gerlinda, you could have fooled me on that one. How are you today, Gerlinda? I'm very good, thank you. So I'm actually uh, on vacation, but uh, I wanted to support you with your show here. So uh, it's um, it's really nice out here. I'm in the U.K. Uh, Where are you? Where are you vacationing? Give us a little glamour. What's going on? Okay, so I'm actually looking uh, outside of um, yeah country home close to Newcastle up on Tyne. That's where the brother of my uh, boyfriend lives, and that's who uh, we are visiting every once in a while. So we take the ferry from Amsterdam which goes directly to Newcastle. It's an overnight ferry, and then uh, just a 45 minutes drive out uh, into the county of Durham, where we actually sounds, are right now. Sounds lovely. And what time of day is it right now, Gerlinda? And what's the weather there? Make us even more jealous, if you don't mind, <laughs> if I don't mind. <laughs> it's 4 p.m. here in the afternoon. It's been about, ah, uh, well, in the 60s today, but uh, sunshiny, the occasional cloud. We have a storm coming through Monday uh, Monday through Tuesday, but today it's been gorgeous. We've been um, we're about 45 minutes away from the North Sea, from the um, eastern coast of uh, Great Britain, and that's where we were this morning. Well, thank you for taking time from your fabulous vacation. We're all a little bit green here with envy or maybe with green with rust because it's been raining for four days here in New York, but it's finally sunny. So talk to me, Gerlinda. What an interesting quote. My password is, and you just didn't say the word secure. You spelled it all in caps, S-E-C-U-R-E. So is there a joke in here? Is there a fallacy in here? Talk to us about how this relates to authentication. Yeah, so... Actually, this is not my quote, but it's a quote from um, a developer colleague of mine who sat or who used to sit in the same office with me together and with another colleague. And he always had this mischievous look on his face, and he he always used to say, oh, my password is secure or secret. And then one day the other colleague asked him, would that be spelled with capital letters, or (laughs) how do you spell that? And (laughs) so this is the problem with passwords, right? A lot of the... SAP customers, but also other customers, they complain about having to provide a password and having to change it because usually an administrator will require that you change your passwords like every three months or so. And then for that, you have to remember the old password. Um, You have to provide credentials, a user ID and a password. And then uh, usually what, what people do is they either pick a very simple password like secure, uh, mm-hmm. secret, a word, something that has a meaning to them, a birthday, and that's really not a, that's really not a secure password. You can easily crack it via dictionary attack. Anything that has really um, your something that is that is a word that you can find in a dictionary or that's a name, mm-hmm. and also even if it's misspelled, uh, if you change some letters advertently or inadvertently that could be um, that could be um, 
detect pretty quickly. Um, so you really want to have something that's more of a mnemonic, so something that you um, you remember a phrase and include some um, some uh, uh, some numbers or some some special signs, um, special characters in there. The other day, um, John Oliver he interviewed um, Edward Snowden. And John Oliver made up this great password. I love Margaret Thatcher one hundred percent. And you, what you want to do is you don't want to use this whole sentence. You want to pick the first letter and make some capital letters and some not. And pick the first letter of each word, and then it's a pretty cool password. Yeah, capital I, small letter L, um, capital letter M, capital letter T. I love Margaret Thatcher one hundred. You pick that as a number, and then percent. And that's a pretty cool password. That's a, that's a good password. That's one that's uh, hard to crack. I like that, especially if it's tongue-in-cheek and you pick a person you really don't like at all. Uh, that would be even more interesting because somebody would have to know your hate list as well as your love list. Thank you so much, Gerlinda, and thanks again for taking time to join us on your vacation. Love that. We'll be talking a lot more about passwords as we get into the show. Let me bring on our second panelist. He's back, Hillel Zafir, at the HMS Technology Group. And here's a quote from George S. Patton, Jr., a bad plan well executed is better than a good plan not executed. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for Thanks joining for us. Oh, delighted. Glad you're back. We have the awesome threesome here, I think. I'm so used to the three of you being together. I couldn't imagine breaking up this party and inviting anybody else. So if we do part four, the three of you have to come back. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Hello, why a quote from George S. Patton on a show about protection, data breaches, authentication? Talk to me. So obviously we know George S. Patton as the uh, general during World War II, and it wasn't a very uh, comfortable time. No one, no one was happy. It was, uh, you know, you had to go through something that was uncomfortable, uh, and you needed to plan your way through this uh, unfortunate time. Um, but the important part is that there needs to be a plan. So if you're going into something, and like Gerlinda said, passwords is a hassle. It makes us, it annoys us. We have to remember uppercase, lowercase, you know, some people you choose the same password for all the security that they own for every single uh, um, site that they have to access or every single uh, mm-hmm. corporate uh, access they need, So, which doesn't, isn't smart at all because then again, if I, if I figure out your password once, I'm king of the jungle and I have That's access it. to everything you, have, you own. <laughs> so it's just that annoying, um, you know, kind of thing that we have to do, but we don't want to do it, but we, we need to because it's there and it's becoming a bigger problem for us. So we've got to come up with a way to make it simple, to make it, like I said, I always like to use the word uh, gamification. Make it fun, make it exciting, make it cool, make it, you know, get the users involved, some of them should, should want to do it, and make it simple for them. So you need to plan this well and execute it well. And we can, you can play the words both ways. You could say, you know, a bad plan, meaning bad may be a sinister plan, not necessarily bad that the plan is a bad plan, but the plan, the plan could be a sinister plan. So the hackers... Their plan is not a good plan. It's a sinister plan. But guess what? They win because they plan out what they want to do and they make it happen. Versus the rest of the users that need to make sure that their passwords are secure and everything else, they just do it because they need to without putting much thought into it, and they end up losing the battle. Thank you. Very, very interesting what you're talking about and what Gerlinda introduced because as I'm listening to the two of you talk about passwords, I know that a lot of people – 
in their senior years are getting on board the email and internet bandwagon. Maybe a little bit late, but they're eager, they're sincere, they don't want to be hacked, they don't want any hassles, they don't want to be scammed. We'll talk about that later. I've got a couple of interesting recent personal scam stories that are wows to me. And they don't remember the difference between, let's say, their AOL password and perhaps a Microsoft password to access their PC. They get the passwords. Why do I need different ones? Why can't I use the same one? What if one has a one after it and one has a three? Why do I need them? How do I remember them? And when I teach technology classes at the local adult education program, it's not unusual for somebody to pick up the phone in the middle of the class and call their husband or wife and say, honey, there's a piece of paper under the phone in the bedroom (laughs) that has my password. No, it's the fourth piece of paper. Would you read it to me? My teacher's waiting for me to sign on so I can go on eBay. I'm not kidding you. I've lived through this over and over in my eBay classes. So I know it really, really gets dicey. And younger people are probably think they're more cool and clever with passwords than they can forget to, I am sure. Hillel, thank you so much for joining us. Let's bring on our third arm of the triumvirate. It's Richard McCammon at Delego Software. And Richard sent me a wonderful quote from George Santayana, who, if you don't remember, is a philosopher, essayist, poet, and novelist, among other things. And the quote is, of course, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Richard, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing really well, Bill. Thanks for joining me. Talk to me. Interesting quote from George S. Yeah, well... Uh... Uh, this goes along a lot of the way along the uh, the conversation that uh, the others have, have done as well. I mean, the whole concept of passwords and how to use passwords and things like that. I mean, the I just did a quick Google search when we were online, and the, the top from 2013, the top passwords were one two three four five six password qwerty abc one two three. So everybody seems to be repeating the history and allowing themselves these simple simple passwords. And they haven't learned from the history that when they use simple passwords like that, they get to, they end up being breached. <clears throat> and I found it particularly interesting. I've been doing a, a bit of traveling of late. In fact, you find me in uh, in Washington today. And the uh, uh, but last week when I was in in Europe, I got a, a paper slip for my credit card transaction at a hotel, and it still had the uh, the clear text credit card number printed right on the receipt. I mean, no. For years we've been talking no. about removing that, um, and there it was. I, I actually had to go back to my card, and I, I couldn't believe it so badly that I went back to the card and I compared the numbers. I thought maybe you know maybe they'd encrypted it, maybe they'd changed it somehow, but there it was, bold and beautiful, sixteen digits from my Mastercard, and wow. uh, and you know the PCI regulations have been out there for how many years now, and we're still breaking all the PCI regulations. We're still doing all of that, and you know this is just wanton invitation to to go out and breach my credit card number. But Richard, so I, what did you do about it? What did you say? To whom did you speak? I know you were in shock and and dismay, but what does somebody? Let's give a little advice. What do you do when that happens? Where do you go? Well, in fact, I didn't really notice it until I got back and started filling out my expense reports. Well, I was uh. back in I was back in Canada and I looked at this receipt and it's a hold it. That's the credit card number. So. Where do you go? Well, I mean, complaining to the front desk would obviously be the first step, but, I mean, unfortunately, they're just the messenger, right? In fact, yeah. they probably don't even know anything about the credit card terminal except how to put the amount in and hit send to get the authorization. So it's, it's, it's a bigger issue. It's, we've got to start talking to the banks again. We have to talk about 
the card issuers. We have to, and these are the players that are supposed to be the ones in the know. So here we are, um, not remembering what our history is, condemned this, to repeat it. There we go. And this is so basic. I remember, I, I may have mentioned this on part one or two with, with the three of you, that I remember back in the day I, I was must have been dating somebody who was aware of the need to destroy the credit card number, and we, we used to have carbon copies. Remember, they'd have the carbon, they tear off your credit card receipt in a restaurant or a store. And this this man, after the waiter brought the credit card receipt, he would rip off the carbon copy at the table, my date, and tear it up into little itsy bitsy pieces and probably put it in his shoe or his pocket or something. He didn't want anybody to find it. And then he'd dip his fingers in the water glass. We were leaving, so it was okay, and wash off the carbon. Does anybody remember those days where you had to destroy destroy the carbon copy? Richard? Oh, of course I do. Uh, <laughs> I've got enough gray in my beard to remember all those things. <laughs> of course you do. Yes, yes, yes. Well, guess what? Talking about carbon copies, I want to go back and find out what my three panelists are drinking right now. I know Gerlinda's in the UK right around tea time, but she can drink anything she wants. She's on vacation. So this is the part of the show called What's in Your Cup Today or What Are You Planning to Drink Afterwards? Gerlinda, what are you drinking? Yeah, although I'm in... Uh tea-loving uh, tea uh, England, uh, I'm actually having a coffee, but since I'm, uh, I'm at home at the moment, it's a uh, home-brewed coffee from uh, uh, a former publican, so um, a restaurant and, and uh, business owner, and he, he makes them very nicely, so I'm drinking a home-brewed coffee here in a typical English mug with a little kitty cat on, on the outside smiling at me. Oh, that's sweet. And is this uh, full, full caffeine, full strength? I call it high tested. Did you put anything in the coffee? You know me. Of course. I do put in some milk because a black would be too tough for me and sometimes a little bit of honey, but that's about it. The rest okay. is the, the full... It's the real deal. It's the full Monty. Thank you very much. I had to pull it out of you, but I knew what you were going to say. Hillel, (laughs) Safir, where are you calling from and what time is it, if I didn't ask you already, and what are you drinking, Hillel? I am in Brooklyn, New York today, and it's 11, 18 a.m., and I'm drinking. I have this amazing built-in coffee machine in my house, in my kitchen, and it makes the most amazing coffee ever. And I'm drinking this cappuccino with milk froth. It's just my... Highlight of the morning. When I, when I went out and got this appliance, I was thinking to myself, should I, shouldn't I? Mm-hmm. But every day when I drink that coffee, I'm saying to myself it was the, best, the money best spent. Whenever I entertain at home, people crowd around that machine. They watch the magic of the coffee <laughs> being made. It's something that <laughs> it excites everybody for some reason. Don't ask well, me we why, love- but it's beautiful. Well, we love to be excited. So why don't you tell us the name of the machine? It's okay to do a little shout-out. Go ahead. It's a, it's a Mila built-in uh, uh, coffee maker. Ah, thank you. Now we know the secret, and I want to know when you're inviting Richard, Gerlinda, and me to a party, because I'm in Great Neck, and I can come to Brooklyn. I could be there in about 42 minutes without traffic, so I'm coming to your next party. Gerlinda might, might need a plane ticket. Richard, uh, coming down from Canada, he might need a boat. I don't know. We'll get him there somehow. So we're all going to Hillel's house for cappuccino. I love it. Thank you, Hillel. Richard, I can't ask you to top those two, but you're sure welcome to try. Well, um, you know, I, actually, I could join you guys if I'm in uh, Washington today, so it couldn't be too much of a train ride back up to, uh, to New York to see you guys. Not but bad. The, uh, um, no, I'm going to reserve mine for a little later in the day. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I can't enjoy any of the, uh, uh, the coffees that have been expressed so far. 
Um, so I'm going to have my, my glass of wine a little later in the day. And as, as we've talked about before, I think on uh, uh, the two radio stations or the radio shows before this, I always find a drink that I was initiated to or introduced to when I'm traveling. And this one's no different. This one is a, uh, it's a, a blended wine. It's called Optima from uh, South Africa. And it came when mm. my wife and I, we were traveling around the world. We were doing our five continents tour. We were in South Africa. And uh, we found this small little winery off the side, had a beautiful lunch, had this wine, and it's just a spectacular wine. And I thought, you know, i got to take a case of this home. I mean, it's, just, it's fantastic wine. Well, I figured, okay, this is going to be my big splurge for the trip. This is such a great wine. It's going to cost me dearly, but I want to take some of this home and have some of our friends enjoy it. Um, turned out it was $14 a bottle. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so wow. Not only a fantastic wine, it was a fantastic find, and, and I did take that case home, too. By the way, not all of it made home to our friends. We, uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think so. Hillel, he had a party with that wine, and he didn't invite you and me. What can I say? Listen, you know what? The same goes for the coffee. I guess each of us have a little secret. <laughs> Gerlinda, I didn't include you in that because you're so far away, but, but we'll get you in there. Thank you to my three panelists. Good opening. We are talking today about data security in the age of credit card breaches, but we're talking about a lot of other breaches as well. Authentication, the big A word, is our topic, our focus today. It's part three. I'm delighted to welcome back Gerlinda Zabolski, Hillel Zafir, and Richard McCammon. Good thinkers, good speakers articulate thought leaders. And by the way, to the three of you, thought leader apparently is a passe term. I was recently informed by my team at SAP that now the new mantra is you're all big thinkers. So get used to being a big thinker. And you're here with me on Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we're going to do some big thinking. When we come back after the break, Linda's going to do the honors and help me open the roundtable. We're going to talk a little bit about some statistics of if you lost your smartphone or other devices and who could find what and use what. And then we're going to talk about attacks on passwords. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. I'm going to be Bonnie D. Graham. After the break, I promise you that. So bread out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
Here we are, and we're talking about authentication, and the topic we've been covering with the same panel, this is part three, is data security in the age of credit card breaches, and we're talking about a lot of other breaches. So whoever you are, wherever you are, this is going to mean something to you on a personal level, perhaps more than a business level, but you never know, it could be both. Gerlinda Zabulski has agreed graciously to help me open the roundtable. Gerlinda, you sent me some interesting research on semantics, I'll call it a social experiment, and there's a research paper to go with it, they planted 50 cell phones around, I don't know the location, to see how good-hearted people really are. Were people going to steal the phones? Were they going to try and pry into them? And the basic was, were these phones password protected? Because a lot of people don't bother with a password on their mobile device. So, Gerlinda, why don't you tell us about this research and the outcome, please? Yeah, so basically what, what Symantec did is they lost 50 cell phones deliberately and planted some honeypots on these um, devices. So they put in some mock applications that read uh, credit card data and the other was um, some HR-related data. Uh, and then they were able to track what happened to these devices. And funnily enough, and they also had things on there like telephone numbers, owner numbers that could clearly be identified. And... 48 of the 50 phones, uh, um, they were basically people tried to get into any of these applications. So only two finders, um, one immediately returned the phone to the police and the other looked into um, the telephone numbers and called the uh, presumably, presumably the number of the owner and returned that phone. And all the other 48 phones, people tried to access the so-called honeypots and try to get to this either credit card or, or HR-related data. Um, so to make a long story short, the problem here is that a lot of people don't want to hassle with the passwords for authentication because they don't want to remember them. Maybe they don't remember them. It's hard for them. And they just want to, don't want to deal with password research and so forth. So they don't give, a, um, give any, any password to begin with. My boyfriend is the same type. He's got a got a pad and he doesn't have a password on it. So anybody that who finds that, and I think the study, of course, from Symantec with only 50 phones, it, it is not really stati- mm-hmm. statistically um, uh, doesn't have enough of a, of a base, a statistics professor would say, probably, but you can already guess if you lost enough cell phones deliberately where, where this study would be going. Um, people will try to access your phones and will try um, try to get to your data. So anything that is open without any passwords at all, that's an invitation to be robbed. Basically, you're open up. It's kind of like uh, you're, you're opening up the door and all the windows to your house and not, not bother, aren't bothered about anything and then wonder why a purse got stolen. Mm-hmm. And there are still people, and I know of some in New York who still leave in, a, in an apartment building, still leave their doors unlocked, old-fashioned and very trusting. Um, very, very interesting. I want to get Hillel's take on this semantic study. Any comments for Gerlinda on what she presented, Hillel? And then Richard? I, 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 I want to add, I, I, just, I know that this is a common thing. People don't, you know, they reject passwords on their devices today. And between me and you, that is so silly if you have an Android device through that the, the squiggle, you can just the password is so easy. To, it's so easy to set a password, even if it's something silly, a little squiggle that looks like a Z or whatever it is. Make something on the i on the iOS devices. You have uh, the Touch ID. 
On the new yes. Samsung now, they also have Touch ID. It, it's, it, takes, it takes literally less than a second to get your device unlocked. For someone to go, you know, to be that uh, um, callous about security, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not going to say this, you know, it's not their fault, but, you know, they're kind of asking to be, to be, to, for their life to be hacked. You know, I mean, these are these are devices today. The, the, uh, an iPad, an iPhone, uh, uh, and a tablet, or, or even even a, a, a um, your laptop. Your life is on there. It I is. Mean, you don't I, leave your door to your house unlocked, do you? I, I don't. But I have a question for you. I just re- recently upgraded to the new iPad Air with all the bells and whistles. I got the gold one. I hate it, but I got the gold one. The sale. I let the saleswoman talk me into it. It's cool. Get the gold one. But the point is, I put on the fingerprint identification. But Hillel, when I put my and we did the left part of the fingerprint, the right flat down on the tip. You know, we did the whole thing. It works beautifully. But I noticed that on the sign-on screen, when I put my finger on to get that fingerprint recognition. It also says, or enter your password. So anybody could find this and go try four numbers and still get access. Is there a way for me, or should I disable that part that says, or enter your password on the numeric pad, or whatever whatever your password is? What do you think? I'm not even sure that you can, but... Um, you get my point, though. It's still accessible. I do, I do get your point. And you're right. This, again, the password uh, uh, um, you know, complexity is one thing, but just... Not locking it at all, I think, is just a very, it's mm-hmm. something that I see a lot of people do. And I've seen people, you know, in, in, in my line of work, we deal with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, corporations and we deal with high-end people. It's usually the CEO and the CTO of the company that say, you know what, I don't want a password. I want it easy. And we say to them, you have the keys to the castle. Everything is on your laptop. You should be the first person that should have a password. Not one, five. But these are the ones that are rejecting it. And the problem is once, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Once the breach happens, it's, you know what, forget about, let's say, not customer data. Let's say just the corporate data, corporate uh, uh, espionage, if you may. You know, intellectual property. You need to secure that. And if you're going to be, if you're not going to uh, uh, secure your, your, your electronic devices, then you're, you're making a huge mistake. I mean, there's nothing else I could say. Well, let's let's since you have nothing else to say, that's a perfect opening for Richard McCammon at Delego Software. Richard, we want to know what you have to say. I'm going to jump in on two comments there. The, the yes. question he had is, you do you actually remove the password so you rely strictly on the fingerprint? Unfortunately, the technology is is still somewhat flawed. Um, mm-hmm. We use fingerprints in the office to gain access to the office, and so I mean that's all part of our PCI compliance and all the rest of it. There are times that I'll come home, I'll come back to work from home, I've been working all weekend, say, um, building something, sanding something, painting walls, whatever, and my fingerprint won't work because Ooh, now I've, that's I've sanded right. the fingertips off or I've painted over the fingertip or I've done yeah. something to it, and it won't work. So the technology isn't perfect yet by any stretch. And this is one of the things that concerns me about things like Apple Pay is and the Touch ID is once I, I try and go to touch it, will I actually be able to perform that transaction because it's based mm-hmm. on that fingerprint that might have got sanded off when I was uh, doing the, the deck work or whatever. Good point. So that, that's, a, that's going to be a very interesting uh, see how this whole thing does play out, particularly with Apple Pay. I'm here at the, uh, Viva, the Visa Payments session, so they're rolling out uh, all the other payment wallets as well, like Google and and the others as well. So it'll be very interesting to see how a lot of these these do play out. But I'm going to I'm going to play uh, Hillel here for a moment and, and suggest that 
uh, I'll jump on his bandwagon and suggest that the only way we're going to be able to get past all of this is to eliminate passwords and make it, uh, as he calls it, gamification. We've got to get past the whole concept of using passwords as the way we get into things and find alternative mechanisms, whether it's going into the third factor, the who I am, and using, uh, as the Apple uh, Watch does, it uses now pulse rates uh, as part of the authentication process. Uh, I was talking to a colleague here at the, uh, the Visa, Visa Payments uh, seminar, and they were talking about uh, another company that's come up with technology that that not only measures the heartbeat itself, which is apparently absolutely unique amongst all of us, it's also looking at the capillaries that are in your skin and using that as the fingerprint, if you will, to do authentication with. So imagine building that into a uh, an iPhone or into an Android device so that you, you hold it up against the palm of your hand and it's not looking at the patterns on the hand, it's actually looking deeper into the skin and looking at the capillaries and the, and the, the blood vessels that are in there so they can determine that you are you. It, it will change. It has to change. Passwords are, are passe, if you forgive me. And, um, <laughs> and then we'll, uh, uh, we've got to find these other technologies and, and, as Hillel has said, to gamify it. Appreciate that. Gerlinda, this was your opening on the roundtable. Why don't you comment, please, on what Hillel and Richard have added. We are going in some yeah. very interesting directions. Yeah, I once had a customer who is a big insurance company, and they have about um, 100,000 insurance agents that drive around and sell insurances to people, sales agents. And of these 100,000, every weekend, every weekend, 80 forget their passwords. If you have wow. a password to a device, how often do you forget your password, right, over a weekend, right? And they asked me, well, what can we do about this, right? And I was wondering, oh, God, who are those dudes that are selling insurances to us? I want to know their names. <laughs> but this is a different thing, right? But, I mean, who are those dudes? You know, it makes you kind of wonder. It's kind of scary, okay. right? But, um, That's for, a quotable moment. Like this, <laughs> that really have trouble forgetting a combination of um, a number and um, and some some characters. It's something that is biometric that is really you have a hard time forgetting that. Uh, that can virtually not be forgotten is a good idea. And then also you have these things where um, some very like gamey kind of um, applications where you have to remember a set of faces or a set of pictures and. Um, pick the right pictures or faces in the right order because um, apparently um, our memory is much more geared towards pictures um, mm-hmm. than you can um, easily um, have a secure password that cannot be guessed so easily, but um, you still have don't have a hard time to remember that. And that for some customers, um, this would really be, um, be a help. I mean, the only other option that you really have is... Um, you could use uh, single sign-on technology involving some kind of token, but then, of course, you ha- at least have to have you have to remember one credential or have this one token, maybe a smart card or something like that, on you. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's right. Either you have a, a, a very, very good and easy to use uh, authentication technology, or you'd have to implement something um, with uh, with single sign-on and with tokens. But something. 
you absolutely have to remember some form. And if biometric authentication, if that picks up, if that gets a lot better uh, with a lot less false positives, that might be something that, uh, that could be useful in the future. Thank you, Gerlinda. I'm going to move to some notes from Hillel Zafir, something interesting here. I know we need either a drum roll or a music in the background, Hillel, but we don't have that kind of budget on the show. So I'm just going to not hum a few bars. The question here on the table from Hillel is how to catch a cloud and pin it down. And he says, as personal and private information starts to make its way to the great cloud, how secure are we really? I'm going to just pose that question. And Hillel, why don't you tell us how two-factor authentication comes into play or three-factor, and what are the challenges of security with everything stored in the cloud? Talk to me. Right. So the two-factor authentication, as Gerlinda said, there are different types of, of uh, two-factor authentication, right? There's the, token, the hardware token, which is the key fobs. There's mm-hmm. your software token, let's say, on a, on a mobile device. Um, but ultimately, you have to remember, you know, that PIN plus the token. And then there's the token, the email token. Now, my personal preference on the email token, I don't like it. It doesn't make any sense at all. Because if I hack you, if I know who, if I hacked your email, then all of a sudden I'm you, right? Because I'm you all over again. Mm-hmm. You, you, don't, you don't have any, any way to identify who's entering those, uh, uh, the token codes. So email token, in my opinion, is not a very secure uh, uh, method of, of authentication. There are some really cool token, you know, tokens these days that, um, you know, they work with uh, 2D barcodes or, or QR codes, as some may call it, um, that work with, uh, that on, the, on your mobile device you have just a little, uh, like a, a, an imager. You take it, as you log into the, to the portal, a QR code shows up and you take an image, you, you scan that with your mobile device and it authenticates you, which is, works very well. Um, interestingly enough, um, Galindi has talked about images, one of my credit cards that I have, in order to log in, they actually show me an image. That is the only one I've seen. And it's very interesting because I always remember that image. And this is of the, you can choose your image from a, a list of images, and actually that works yes. very well. So it's interesting that you say that, but I definitely agree with the, with the, uh, um, with the theme here. The concept of password is passe. It's gone. I, I totally agree with, with uh, Richard on this one. It's annoying. It's, not, it's counterproductive. And, and, and like uh, Gerlinda said, these 80 salespeople that are forgetting their passwords every single weekend, I feel bad for the IT person that has to support them. That's a different story. <laughs> well, that's keeping but, a help desk person employed. Hello, before we move to Richard's comments on this and Gerlinda's, I want you to talk to me about cloud. Are we facing new challenges because data is so much is moving to the cloud or already is there? Yes, I think that people look at the cloud and they have no idea what this is all about. And I'll give you a perfect example. In one of the companies mm-hmm. that we did a security audit for, we came in and we looked at people's passwords and what type of passwords they have. And a very common theme amongst this team of about 400 people, they each kept an Excel sheet with all their passwords. And guess where they kept it? In the cloud. Mm. So there's an Excel sheet <laughs> with all their passwords and says it has the URL to where they're logging into, okay? They have their username and their password, and this is in a, not even a secure Excel sheet, in a Dropbox account. And guess what? The Dropbox account wasn't secured with a two-factor authentication. So anybody that has a little bit of experience <laughs> in hacking can get into that Dropbox account from the administrative perspective and get a hold of all the passwords, which is in an Excel sheet, 
in the cloud. So people don't realize that even once you put things in the cloud, it doesn't mean that you have to relinquish the concept of security. It doesn't go away. If anything, it's the opposite. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a misconception that the cloud is secure. By no means is the cloud secure. The cloud is nothing but a, a server farm, not in your data center, in someone else's data center. Someone, a human being, is still sitting there and managing servers. And the firewalls that hold true to your organization, those same firewalls hold true to the cloud, whether it's intrusion prevention, uh, gateway antivirus, or any DDoS mitigation, whatever things you were used to doing in your data center, that happens in the cloud. So the cloud isn't this secure, uh, uh, um, you know, utopia. It's by far not. If anything, okay. by pushing things away from you, you're relinquishing security. Now we're getting really scary. Richard McCammon, come in, rescue us, or, or join the parade with with LL. What do you think about cloud security? I don't do this very often. I'm going to disagree with you on this one, though. Um, okay. I think cloud. I think cloud offers us an opportunity to be more secure. But certainly, the example that he used about using Excel spreadsheets into the Dropboxes, but that that has nothing to do with the cloud itself. It's it's just the fact that it's a repository that they decided to use. The reason I suggest that the, the cloud can be more secure is because these companies do nothing more but uh, provide solutions to, to customers. Um, and they have the, the best of the best to get the, the data security and privacy rules that, that exist for PCI, for the European standards, for the North American standards. Um, they've gone through and they've done all of the, the certifications so they've got their people, and they have hired the best people in the world in order to achieve these levels, because that's their business. If they if they were ever, um, we use Amazon uh, Web Services as an example. Um, we just happen to use that for our own purposes in house, and we we couldn't possibly get all those certif- uh, certificates and the certifications. We don't have the experience. It's not our line of business. Sure, security is part of our business, but payment processing is the foundation of it. And, and to get all of those and bring them on to our data center and overlay that, so the alternative would be not to use our data center but to use someone else's data center. So we go down the street to Toronto and we pick up that data center. Well, it's a notch above what we could provide. You move it into the cloud where these people are every day living in the security and privacy world and providing it and new tools are they're being invented and all of these sorts of things where they're providing the service, I think they can provide us a much better solution set on which to form our foundation for other uh, services that, uh, that need that level of security. Thank you very can much, I Richard. That, Bonnie? You please, I wish you would. Go ahead. Okay, so, George, uh, Richard, no two clouds are alike. Now, you mentioned AWS. I agree, AWS may be a very secure cloud, but the server instance that you're, the EC2 instance, whatever you're, you're, you're spinning up in AWS, they access that instance, even if you use IAM, which is, a, which is AWS security, right? Um, you still can choose to go a less secure route or a more secure route. It's still up to you to define how secure you want your instance to be. Yes, in the case of a hacking, in the case of firewalls, in the case of all the perimeter security, I agree with you. By definition, they're more secure because they have the power of numbers, and they have a lot, and that's all they do. 
but your instance in the AWS cloud can still be hacked if you don't decide to put the proper firewall or the proper security in place. Well, I completely agree with that. I mean, we, 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 don't, we can't resolve ourselves of, of our own responsibilities for developing security. I mean, if, if I put password as my password um, or secure as my password, then yes, it's, it, it's going to get corrupted and people will, will get into there. Um, but the, the point that I'm saying is that at least with the, the use of the cloud services, we have a foundation that's a lot stronger than what we used to have when we had the same issues, uh, you know, as far as personal identity goes and, and uh, allowing people to, to access what I'm trying to do. But at the same time, we had data centers that could easily be hacked because the security at the lowest levels weren't there. People had left the, the, the administrators had left the word password as the password for the admin account on oh. their wireless device. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. It all depends which kinds of cloud you're uh, you're looking at. Um, I, I said it the last time. I just re- come from a conference where some of the customers, some of our customers, said that when you go to the cloud, you will have one of the most secure environments ever, and that is because they believe in the security of the cloud provider of whoever is hosting their remote servers where the applications run, and of course. Um, if you um, if these are run um, somewhere where uh, not all SLAs are really adhered to and not all security measures are really configured for business critical data, where customers really have business critical data, that's that's potentially an issue. And then, secondly, we should not forget that the vast majority of people is already using cloud. If you use uh, email um, on the internet, Yahoo, Google, whatever, that's a cloud solution, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you use um, uh, Facebook, that's a cloud solution. Um, and uh, the, <laughs> the, the 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 data privacy and data security for cloud for businesses is completely different than for for any of the social data. And, th- and then you have to factor in that in the youth culture today, um, a lot of the um, young people, it's, it's kind of like a sign of trust, which makes it kind of funny. It's a sign of trust if you share the password with somebody else so that they Ooh. can get access to your email or your data that's considered, um, I trust you, so I'll, I'll share my password with you. I had no idea that this exists today, but this is what, what uh, teenagers apparently do these days. So, wow. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. If, if, if their life is, in, is, is on the social media, that's where their life is, and giving the password means access to your life, right? <laughs> I love you. I love you. I'll give you my password. Hey, guess what? We have 10 minutes left till the end of the show. Now we're all in love with each other in the cloud. We're sharing passwords. I want to move to one more topic before we go into the predictions, which should be really interesting. I want to tell my three panelists I really appreciate that very high-energy discussion. That's what we want. We want people to agree and disagree, and it makes for a very interesting listening. Uh, uh, yes, everybody's sitting up saying, where are they going with this next? Richard McCammon, I want to look at uh, one or two comments here before we move to predictions. Uh, some very interesting things. You say here, you say authentication is the linchpin of our society. Without it, anarchy is inevitable. There is a fighting word, anarchy. Let's talk a little bit about who are the ones who are working, as I said in my opening, Richard, these digitally savvy thieves who are working around the clock all over the world 
to steal our passwords and our authentication and our money and our identities and maybe in Hillel's case his thermostat access if he trusts somebody to give him his thermostat password. So Richard, talk to me a little bit about this anarchy regarding the thieves. Well, the, the concept is this, is if uh, without authentication, uh, we basically end up in anarchy because we, uh, and if we take the definition of anarchy being basically the, the loss of law as we understand it. So if you, if you allow people to, um, as was example with the, the social media, if you just allow people to walk into your home or uh, take whatever they want, because there are the fees. Uh, the, the example at the beginning where the uh, 48 cell phones were basically tried to be hacked. When they, so th- th- there are people out there, in fact, probably more than I would have even suspected based on, the, on those numbers, so if you allow people to, to come in and, and steal things, they will. And the way we've defined ourselves in the society is, is we use authentication to protect ourselves so that we don't have people walking into our home, stealing things, taking our cars off the street, um, walking into the bank and walking away with thousands of dollars, all of these sorts of things. We use authentication in order to try and protect from exactly those. I mean, I wish we were in a society where we didn't have to protect everything because there were no thieves, but I think that's probably more of a pipe dream than uh, in anything else. So we have to protect ourselves with these authentication rules. We need, to, we need to establish greater and greater authentication as these thieves get smarter and smarter. And Otherwise, what's going to happen is, is we're, going to be, we're going to evolve down into lower and lower forms of, of lawlessness because we can't... We can't protect the foundations on which our societies are built. Richard, thank you. I want to give two very quick anecdotes. I think the panel will appreciate these. My mom is in her late 90s. She's digitally savvy to a limited degree, has a computer, hated her Mac. We got her a PC, and she got one of those virus warning pop-up screens last week. Within six minutes, a technician called her, had her phone number, the best she can remember, told her he was in medical school, putting his way through school. He was in Utah. It's a well-known company, and the Better Business Bureau has them listed. And he told her that she had some kind of impenetrable virus on her computer, and all he needed was her to swipe her fingerprint and scratch on a touchscreen a signature to authorize him to do the work. She ended up giving him access, remote access. She ended up giving him her credit card number because he was so nice. She ended up paying $224 in change to this company that did some kind of so-called work in the next 15 minutes and documented everything in an email audit trail. When she told the family, she was afraid to tell me, when she told my family, my granddaughter said, cancel your credit card now, and that led to a long line of trips to the bank she uses, and now she has a new credit card number, and it was a big hullabaloo. 48 hours later, a close friend of mine received a similar on-the-screen virus warning, click now for a technician to help you. So people are trusting. Didn't we use the trust word, Hillel? Didn't we use it, Gerlinda and Richard? People are trusting. They are not digital natives. They are sometimes thrilled and sometimes scared to death to be online. But when somebody says, you have a problem, let me help you, 
that's the old-fashioned form of trust is, yes, I will give you my password. I will give you my access. Any comments from the panel on that? I know these are the other, the friend who, who called me and said, what do I do? I said, don't do a thing. Bring your laptop here. And I was able to get rid of whatever it was in about five minutes by just uh, canceling out, quitting out of Safari a couple times and deleting the history and it was gone and they didn't have to spend the money. But anyway, this is still happening and these are still thieves. Richard, you want to just comment to me and then Gerlinda and Safir, uh, Hillel, before we go into predictions, Richard? Yeah, so I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I guess there's one way we could solve all of these problems, and, and it's not to have any any money at all or anything that the people are worth stealing. But we can't do that either. I mean, we've we've got medical records, we've got all these other things. We 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 tend to focus on these shows about the money side of things, but it extends into all of the other forms of our business that we do. Uh, all medical records, it's it's everything. We we walk down the street, people are they've got houses that are stolen because. Uh, mortgage companies have have given them money, and then and then it turned out to be fraudulent. All these sorts of things are happening. Mm-hmm. So we we've got things that we have to protect, and we've got to find ways to protect it. We do. Uh, Gerlinda, quick comment on the story, and then Hillel, and then we have to go right into one minute apiece for predictions. Gerlinda, scammers. Yeah, think, what do you think? Um, we really have to educate everybody better. Um, start mm-hmm. by educating. Uh, to become technology savvy, the Verizon data breach report from 2015 has some interesting research out there where they um, about phishing and how many people would open such a phishing email that looked like as, as, as if it was from their bank. And they narrowed down that research to people that from our industry, from the software industry, from us, and the numbers of people that would still open that should presumably be technology savvy, but still would open and click on a on a, on a phishing email uh, is enormously high, even in the technology industry. So better education is definitely needed. It certainly is. Hillel, quick comment, and then I'm going to go well, out and give you just one minute each. But Hillel, before we go to predictions, thoughts on these in-your-face scammers? The ed- education is definitely important, but like Linda said, there are people that are highly educated that, have, that, that make the biggest mistakes because, you know, they're you know they're not looking at the at the at the common at the you know the simple ones. Um, as far as the you know the hackers being nice, that's true. I got emails from people begging me that I you know they're they're they only need fifty thousand dollars, but they're going to send me five million in return from this big lottery in Africa. So yes, <laughs> nice, nice happens all day long. We know the Nigerian bank scam, and I, I must yes, get it yes, at least uh, five times a month. Long. And you know what? Believe it or not, I I I know people that I would consider you know technologically savvy. And they come to me and they say, look, I got this email. What do you think I should respond or not respond? I'm like, of course you're not responding to this email. Why would the guy give you $5 million? If he has $5 million, <laughs> he'd take it for himself. For crying out loud, I mean, really, how gullible are people? They are. Well, they want to trust. Trust is the big word. Guess what? It's time for us to wrap up. Gerlinda Zabolski having a lovely vacation near Newcastle in the U.K. Give me, oh, we have, give me 45-second prediction for when we meet, when we meet for part four, and you know we're going to do it. What will we be talking about or what will be different on this topic? Authentication, digital security. Gerlinda, 45 seconds, go. Okay. So I don't, uh, I think it's going to become Star trek right? Where you're going to walk up to a machine, you're going to be recognized just from facial figures. So it's just mm. it's going into the direction of biometric and really cool biometric. Really, you just show up in front of whatever device you have to log on to and bingo, you're logged in. Oh, I love that. Hillel Safir, 
in Brooklyn, famous Brooklyn. What do you think will be different at the time we meet for part four or at some point in the far, far future? Go ahead, Hillel. So we are in the age of mass smartification of our homes, right? We have smart appliances. We have smart sensors. We have smart thermostats. We have smart cameras. We have smart where All the devices are smart, but the people using them don't seem to be too much. So I think that we're, what we're <laughs> going to see is the mass modification of devices, uh, let's, uh, or, or let's, let's use the commercial uh, uh, name, the Internet of Things, right? the IoT, which is the biggest, hottest topic right now. The, the, they're very diverse. There's no standardization yet. Apple's trying with HomeKit, and Google has their version of it. Everybody has their own way of getting to it. So it's, in a certain sense, because it's, it's uh, so fragmented, it's a little bit of a benefit to us because the hackers can't develop a killer app to grab all the data, but they're going to try to re- get the data that's residing on these devices. And that's going to be our next exciting topic, the smart, smart devices in the home and how do we secure them. I love it. We're going to all we're going to take this home. And talking about taking it home, Richard McCammon, I give you 30 seconds for predictions because I have to wrap up. Please go ahead. Actually, I was going to say, I think Gerlinda stole my password because she stole my prediction as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my password is secret. <laughs> you know that, right? And next, oh, next now we're going we're to we're run the home automation system of Hillel via the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> the mass modification. Richard, give me one sentence prediction. Uh, I think we're going to see more and more data breaches, particularly with the millennials, as they uh, decide that data security isn't something that they want to play in. Thank you very much. Great conversation. I don't know whether to laugh or cry at what we uncovered. Thank you so much, Gerlinda. Thank you, Hillel. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate it. You are getting invited back for part four, whether you like it or not. I'll send you an invitation. Let's just get this on the calendar. And let's talk, as Richard said, not so much about money and anarchy. Let's talk about our homes. Let's talk about our medical records. Let's talk about the impact of authentication failures. Uh, shout out to Brad and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. And somebody named Xavier Ware. X-A-V-I-W-A-R-E has been tweeting about you, Richard McCammon, and Delego. So whoever they are, thank you for a few retweets. We appreciate that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll be back tomorrow. Let's see. What are we on with tomorrow is uh, the Internet of Things with Game Changers. That's right. We have 11 series in live production right now, sharing five hours a week. But today you've been listening to our hopefully groundbreaking, uh, hopefully world-class flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. So I'll see you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, here on the Business Channel. Here's my call to action. You know what it is. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer right now today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.